very bright. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to Grace Church. I'm really glad that you're here with us today. My name is Bill Walker, uh, one of the pastors here at Grace Church, and I'm so glad you've chosen to join us today. Um, today we are, in effect, finishing up our Easter series. It's a four-week series, began the week before and is run to today. And I've heard from a number of you concerning this series that you, you've really appreciated the apologetic approach uh, to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I'm glad that's connected with some of you. As somebody told me earlier, they said, you know, the movie was awesome, but the book was better. And so if you want more in-depth understanding about these truths, these facts that underlie Christianity, read the book. That's true with most movies, isn't it? You know, the book's always better than the movie. So I want to encourage you to do that. Also, uh, during this Chris, you know, Christmas, this Easter season, there we go, I've got my right season now, um, we've also heard from a number of you that you have really uh, appreciated doing the movie night. How many joined us for the movie night? Wasn't it awesome to like walk into a theater where you knew everybody? And we all kind of had this uh, sense of community, and then we watched the movie together. That was awesome. I heard that many of you would like to do that again in some way. Uh, so we're, we're tracking with that. And also, a uh, number of people commented just about how amazing and crazy the helicopter egg drop was. I mean, it like blew up in our community where 40,000 people hit our, our Facebook and so on and so forth. And we had over 400 families other than Grace Church families join us uh, on that day. It was awesome. This whole season here at Grace has just been awesome. And Dennis already alluded to the fact that we spent part of our time away just thanking the Lord. Thanking him for his goodness and his grace and the sense of his presence and the work of God in our midst. It's been good. It's been so good. I have served in the church a lot of years, and these last few weeks have been so good. And I'm so grateful. But can I just say that the whole reason behind the movie and popcorn, those were awesome. Did you like the big lounge chairs? Do you think we should like put those big lounge chairs in here with the big cup holders? Yeah, probably not going to happen. People said that people will fall asleep. I can't imagine people falling asleep while I'm talking. But <laughs> nevertheless, some people go prone and their eyes close. I know. Uh, so no, we won't be doing that. But um, the whole reason behind the movie and the popcorn, the whole reason behind the eggs and the helicopter, the whole reason behind the worship and the multimedia is to help you. To help the people God has in your lives who need a relationship with his son to invite them to connect them to us as a church. That's really the motivation behind all these events. That's really the reason why we do these things. You know, if we want to see a movie, we can all go to the movies on our own, right? But we did it as a church to give you an opportunity to connect people. You know, if you want to have an Easter egg hunt, you can do that in your backyard. But we hired a helicopter. Why? To get everybody to connect people to that event. You see, that's why we're doing these things. You know, um, we are referred to in the scriptures as the body of Christ. There's so much beautiful uh, truth in that statement. But part of the body of Christ is this. We create, if you will, a womb where people can come in and faith can be germinated in them. And then that faith can continue to develop over the course of time so that they can ultimately be born again into the kingdom of God. 
That's really what the church is about. Think about it. We bring our little ones here, don't we? We bring our children with us, and we, we put them in the programming over here so they can learn about flannel graph Jesus, right? Yeah, we want them to know who Jesus is. We want them to believe in him. When they get a little bit older, we, we help them to understand truths, and they put their faith, such tender, beautiful faith in Jesus. And when they get a little bit older so they can have good memories, we then have them get baptized, and then we disciple them so that they will go on to live with Jesus the rest of their lives. Amen? So we do that with our kids. But what I want you to understand is today, we need to do that for adults. We live in a post-Christian culture. People really have no understanding of who Jesus really is. And so the old days, the good old days, you know, we, we often look back at the good old days. When we were living them, they weren't so good, but they were, <laughs> they were the days. But it's funny how you tend to romanticize them when you get a little beyond them. The good old days, we used to do this thing called evangelism night. Tuesday nights in most churches. It was Tuesday in the church I attended up there in New Calton Bible Church. Tuesday night was evangelism. We'd get together, we'd huddle, we'd pray that God's spirit would work. We would go out and knock on doors. And right there on the doorsteps, we would talk with people and give them the two evaluation questions from the EE evangelism material. And once we could discern where they're at, we would tell them about Jesus. And then we would pray with them right there on the doorstep to receive Christ. Amen? It used to work that way. Now, the sad part is this. So they would believe on their doorstep, and then we would invite them to church to belong. A few made that journey. Very few. And then we left a whole lot of people who prayed a prayer on their doorstep and gave them assurances that they're born again, and yet there's no evidence in their lives. So even that, in the good old days, wasn't nearly as effective as I think many of us think it was. So in the old days, you used to believe outside of the church, and then you could belong in the church. But it doesn't work that way anymore. Today, people need to belong. They need to be here. They need to see the praise. They need to see the worship. They need to experience the word. They need to see Jesus. And they need to track along so they can eventually say, I get it. I get it. And I want it. I want him. We're going to talk a lot more about this, this idea of creating places and spaces to connect our friends and relatives who, who don't know Jesus. Uh, we're going to do that in uh, May the 21st. I got it right this, this time. Yeah, I said, I said March last time. No, no, May the 21st. And uh, in that, that time, what we're going to do is I'm just going to kind of give you the State of the Union address, or the State of the Church address. I do it once a year. And so kind of look back and praise God and look forward in prayer as to see what God might allow. So we're going to talk more about that then. Um, but, but the goal has always been this, that people would meet Jesus. That's the point. I mean, Jesus not only makes an incredible difference in people's lives here and now, the best life you can live is a life lived in obedience to the person of the Son of God. But it only makes a difference here. It does make a difference in the hereafter. And so we want what's best for people, and that's a relationship with Jesus. I love the way this movie used a verse of scripture to help us understand just how that's meant to work. Uh, John 1.12 was used in the movie The Case for Christ as uh, Leslie related to Lee what he needed to do to have a relationship with Jesus. So she turned to John 1.12 and simply read this, but to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, that's Jesus, he, God, gave them the right to become the children of 
God. And so they took this simple verse of Scripture from the Gospel of John, very beautiful verse of Scripture, and, and they laid it out like this, and I think it helps. It begins with belief. It begins with belief. Believe what? That Jesus is who he said he was. And again, we live in a post-Christian culture. Most people have no idea who Jesus is. They don't even know what he had to say about himself. And so people really need time to think on this. You can't just walk up to them and say, hey, you know, you're going to go to hell. You better pray this prayer and you'd be saved. Well, everybody's going to pray that prayer. But they don't know who they prayed to. They don't understand what they did. And so it begins with believing in him. Now, right now, I'm excited to tell you that in the life here at Grace Church, we have six people right now going through a study called uh, That Man Called Jesus. It is a walk through the Gospel of John, allowing the Scriptures to speak to people through the work of the Holy Spirit as to exactly who Jesus is. John chapter 20 and verse 31 says this, And these things were written in the Gospel of John, these things were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you can have life through his name. So it's a beautiful study that simply walks people through the Gospel of John so that they can understand and believe. But that's insufficient in and of itself. It takes not only to believe who Jesus said he was, but it also takes an act of the will to receive the person of Jesus Christ himself. Again, but to all who did receive who? Who? Yeah, yeah. You know, too often we turn Jesus into a policy. Think about it. We buy life insurance policies, car policies. A lot of people, Jesus is nothing more than a policy out of hell. But Jesus is not a policy. Jesus is a person. And he invites us into relationship with him. And that's the goal. It's, it's as we understand who he says he is. We see the beauty of him through the scriptures. And then we embrace him for who he is. Not simply for what he can do. And embra embracing him, uh, the Bible says right here, and he gave them the right to become children of God. Uh, the word right here, uh, the King James says, and he gave them the authority to become the children of God. And we can claim that authority as we believe and receive and embrace Jesus Christ with our lives. Maybe you're here today and uh, you, you've been tracking with us. You know, maybe somebody's invited you. Awesome. They did that because they love you. And maybe you come here because, you know, we had this really cool helicopter, helicopter egg drop. No, no. Helicopter egg drop. Or you came to the movie. I don't know. But I do want you to know this. It is our desire in your life that you meet Jesus. That you embrace him with your life. That you follow him in love. And one day you'll wind up in his presence forever. Glorifying God the Father. That's our desire for you. So, all that to say. That's my intro. We're now going to move forward. And I just want to talk to us today. Us today about our part in helping people um, become children of God. Help, our part in helping people become children of God. You see, ultimately it's God's work. But we have a part to play in this as well. And it revolves around something called 
being salt and light. Let's pray together. And from there we shall venture together. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for your great love as we sang. Thank you that you pursue us in relationship, that you desire us to know you so that we can worship you and glorify you with our lives. I pray, Lord, even now, as we walk through this next few moments together, that each of us, all of us, no matter where we're at on the journey of faith, would be drawn a little bit closer to the person of Christ. And may you be glorified in our time. That's my hope, that's my prayer, that's my desire, Father. I know it's yours. Please honor it, I pray. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said? Awesome. I got you pretty well queued up here. So, so every once in a while, they said this, if you ever want to get rid of your pastor, all you have to do is say, amen, preach it, praise the Lord, and he'll preach himself to death, okay? So every once in a while, I'm going to say, and God said? All right, there we go. That'll get me going, and then maybe I'll die on you. All right, so here we go. Salt and light. What does that even mean, salt and light? Uh, in Matthew chapter 5, this statement comes to us in something called uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Now, last summer, I did a series, an expository series on the Sermon on the Mount. If you were to go to our website, gracewaldorf.org, go to Messages, you can actually track back and find that series if you're interested. But in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said these words to those people listening to him that day. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Now, there's all kinds of connotations that we could wrap around the concept of salt. But let me just put it this way. Very simply, what Jesus is saying is this. It is the difference that Jesus Christ makes in your life as his follower that ultimately rubs off on the lives of others and creates a thirst in them for him. So he is saying you are the salt of the world. Now, I happen to love salt. I just want to go on record as saying I love salt. Uh, every time my wife makes a meal, I salt it before I ever taste it. She says, Bill, you're not supposed to salt it before you taste it. But honey, I'm looking for an excuse to use salt. That's what I do. I love salt. In fact, my favorite food, my favorite food ever, is something called salt and vinegar chips. How many salt and vinegar chips lovers? Oh, I love you guys. Yes. We have our own little commune here, man. Uh, salt and vinegar. And the worst when it comes to salt is oots. I've eaten all the others, but when you're done with oots, you can dump out the salt and fill the salt shaker. It's awesome. It is just incredible. And so like, like every Friday uh, night, uh, what we do as a family is Bambi makes homemade pizza, and we buy two bags of salt and vinegar chips. Elisha gets one, I get the other. And we just start eating them, and they're really good. And you know, oh, wow, salty too. Ooh, oh. And, and, you know, as I eat them, I can eat enough of these that the inside of my mouth actually goes dead. And a whole layer of skin has to be removed before feeling comes back. It is so wonderful. Now, if you're worried about my arteries, thank you. Oops. Uh, I just want to say that my blood pressure is perfect. And I've had my heart examined recently. And they said I'm per perfectly healthy. So I said, doctor, does that mean I can eat bacon and, and salt? He says, go for it. So I got doctor's approval. To say, salt is wonderful. 
But you know, what I have discovered over the course of time, if I eat enough of these, is that after a little bit, as I'm feeling down on these salt and vinegar chips, oh, I mean, they're good. Now, is that I do have a tendency to get just a little bit thirsty. And so after a little bit, I just have to have something to drink because I'm now parched. Excuse me. Hmm. Bless you. Yeah, no, actually, yeah, Lay's have less salt, so they're not as good. You see, this is what Jesus is saying. You are to be salt and vinegar chips in the lives of people. Yeah, absolutely. You are to be desirous. You are to rub off the salt in the savior of the the savor of the savior on people's lives so that they become thirsty. And what they're looking for is the water of life, just like the woman at the well. So this is what Jesus is saying. You are the salt of the world. You're like salt and vinegar chips. Let people eat it up out of your life, and they will become thirsty for Jesus. That's what he's saying, in effect. So on the one hand, we are considered to be salt. But on the other hand, he also tags in this concept of light. And he says this in Matthew chapter 5, continuing. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Okay, uh, the folks up in the uh, sound room, the tech people, do me a favor. Hit all out. Hit blank. Oh! Now you all got your light your phones on. Shut them off. There you go. I see your phone on back there because your face is aglow. <laughs> Oh, well, we're here too. Shame on you. This is a very uncomfortable situation for many of us because a lot of us don't know the person sitting next to us, and we don't know what they're doing in the dark. So this is very uncomfortable. Can I just say, this is how the world lives every day. They live in the dark. They don't know what to make out of things. They don't understand what's going on. They don't know where to go. They're fumbling, they're stumbling, they're grabbing, they're abusing and using people, hurting and being hurt because it's morally dark and spiritually dark in our world. This is how most people live. You've got to shut the door, please. <laughs> and then along comes us. We are the light of the world. Okay, sorry, that's a little much that better? <laughs> and so, yeah, thank you. You are the light of the world. And so we walk in the darkness of this world in the light of Christ, in the light of his word. We're enabled to live and walk and make our way along because we are of the light as he is of the light. We are children of the day, not children of the night. And so what we can do is we can then show people the way in which they can find the person of Jesus Christ. You may bring the lights up. I know. There we go. Oh, now I can't see. <laughs> you are the salt of the earth. Salt and vinegar chips. To make people thirsty for Jesus. You are the light of the world. People are stumbling and fumbling all around us in moral darkness, and they don't understand what's going on. 
And you can show them a different way to live life. And it's in Jesus. And it creates in them an interest in a longing for who that person is that causes you to live so very differently. So, we are salt and we are light. Now, I'm going to end our time by giving to us some very practical suggestions on how we can be salt and light in the lives of people around us who need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm making an assumption here. I'm assuming that you actually have relationships in your life where people are either unchurched or uh, lost in their sin. Now, I have discovered over the years of being a pastor and being a, a, a Christian myself that after so many years, we tend to wean away all the lost connections to our lives, and we tend to get into these little holy huddles, and we don't really ever know anybody who's unchurched or lost. That's because we've chosen not to build relationships with them. I want to encourage you in the next few moments to be thinking of somebody in the sphere of your influence that you can build a relationship with so that you can invite them and connect them to who we are, the womb for faith. Okay? Here we go. I'm going to just give you some very practical suggestions as to how we can be salt and light in the lives of those who need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, ready for the first one? Okay, there's one. Anybody else ready? Okay, you're going to love this one. You're going to love this one because we all can do it. Okay, this is really easy. I'm starting really easy. Here we go. If you want to be salt and light in the lives of people who need Jesus, all you need to do is eat with them. Eat with them. Sit down and have a meal with them. How many like food? Yeah, yeah, I thought most of us did. How many eat to live? How many live to eat? Yeah, yeah, we're one or the other. We all consume food. We love food one way or the other. Do you realize that every single one of us here has somewhere between 14 and 21 dedicated time periods every week in which you do nothing more than eat? Think of that. Now, if you were a hobbit, you would actually have a lot more than that. You would have first breakfast, second breakfast, 11 Z's, lunch, high tea, low tea, and by the time you get ready to go to bed, you have a bed lunch. So you have like 56 if you're a hobbit. But the average person in America has somewhere between 14 and 21 dedicated times to eat. Why not use one or two a week in investing in getting to know somebody? See, what I'm talking about here is not just, hey, let's go get a burger. But what I'm talking about is something in the Latin called convivium. It simply means this, doing life together around the table. It, it's a very common thing that we all do at the, it, together, but we can do it to express our faith. You know, Jesus actually uh, was well-known and quite infamous with the religious leaders of his day for this very thing. Notice what it says in Luke chapter 15 and verse 2. It says, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. They were known for that. They grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. Now, let me give you a little context. In, in the Hebraic mindset in the first century, when people would eat together, they used their hands. Most of the world still uses their hands to eat. We happen to have utensils, at least some of us. And, and so um, what they saw was this. There was generally a common sup or bowl of a soup, 
and then there was bread. And so you would take bread, and you would rip off a hunk of bread, and you'd hand it to the next person, and they would take it and rip off a hunk of bread, and they would take it, and so on and so forth. So everybody's kind of pulling bread off the same loaf, and then when you're eating, you take it, and you put it in the sup, and you would chase it around, and then you would eat it. And so I would do that, he would do that, she would do that. We would all do that. And in the Hebraic mindset, it was this. What is giving life and health and strength to me is giving life and health and strength to them. We're sharing life. And when Jesus was eating with sinners, they assumed he was sharing in their sin with them. That's why they condemned him. But Jesus knew that he wasn't sharing in their sin. He was eating with them. And so it says this. And this man receives sinners and he eats with them. Why did Jesus eat with sinners? Because sinners eat. There's nothing magic about this. They eat. And so Jesus joined them and ate with them. And while he was eating with them, he was sharing who he was with them. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about, you know, saying to somebody, hey, let's, let's, let's hang out together. Let's go to a ball game. Let's go to a picnic. Let's go to the park. You know, let, let's go to the lunchroom. Let's go to the cafeteria. Let's go to a restaurant. You know, let, come into my house. Let, let's get together. Let's eat because we can all agree on that, right? I don't care if you're a sinner or, or, or a saint. We can all agree we like to eat. And because we dedicate special times every day to eating, why don't we just plan to eat with somebody? And then in that eating, share with them. Just a little bit. I, I mean, I get a chance to, to eat out a lot. <laughs> it's one of the hazards of the job. I've been growing my pulpit bumper lately. What do you think? <laughs> I'm now weighing more than I've ever weighed in my life. <clears throat> but it's due to lots of eating out. And so when I eat out with people, I don't care what background they're from. The first thing I'll say is, you know, it's my habit to thank the Lord for the food we're about to enjoy. Do you mind if I pray for us? I have just made a faith statement. Most people won't be offended by that. Okay, sure, they may keep their eyes open not knowing what to do, but sure, they'll do that. And so you can actually bring God into the mix, even just over a meal, just by praying for the meal. And then in the course of talking with each other, because that's what we do when we eat, right? We talk. You'll discover that most people's favorite subject when they talk is themselves. It won't be hard to find out where somebody's from, what they're doing, their background, their family, their life story. It'll all come out because that's just what we do. We like to talk about ourselves. How many don't like to talk about themselves? I don't believe you. We're our favorite subject. We know that. And, and so we just naturally have this discussion. And, you know, you can, you can insert certain thoughts in there like, hey, you know, um, uh, I attend this church up on Route 5. It's called Grace Church. You've ever seen it? Yeah, yeah. I go there. Oh, where do you go to church? Oh, okay. That's cool. Don't condemn them if they don't. If they go someplace good, say amen. Uh, and if they go someplace that's not so good, say, hey, let me introduce you to my church family. Sorry. Okay, we'll keep moving. <clears throat> um, and so we can do that. Also, one of my favorite things to do is this. I'll say, you know, I love to see how God is working in a life. Would you share with me your spiritual journey? Everybody's got one. To some degree, everyone has a spiritual journey. And so, you know, they begin talking and they'll say this and this and this and this and this and here we are having dinner. And what I like to do is I like to drop back and say, oh my gosh, I can see God at work in your life. And they're like, really? Yeah. Can't you see that when you were here and what God was doing here and how he revealed himself to you through whatever religion you were a part of? And then as you go along, these hardships hit you and now all of a sudden you're turning towards spiritual things and now we're having this conversation. Can't you see how God's at work in your life? And they're like, God's at work in my life. Yeah, he is. God's at work in everybody's lives. And so we go down this pathway 
And we do it by eating. It's beautiful. It's simple. It's everyday stuff. There's a uh, church uh, over on the other side of the Beltway in, in Virginia called McLean Bible Church. Ever heard of McLean Bible Church? Yeah. Uh, McLean Bible, back in the day, uh, when I used to live over there, uh, they used to have their uh, people after service. Uh, they would go out into their big foyer, and people would hold up signs for restaurants. And so, you know, hey, after service, I'm going to Chick... Well, not Chick-fil-A, forget that one. <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to Carrabba's Grill, or I'm going over to Olive Garden, or I'm going over to Gold Country Buffet, or I'm going... And they would have them all stand around, and people who wanted to go and eat after, after uh, service... How many people are going to eat after service? Yeah, it's one of those dedicated times. Come on, we're all going to eat. What happens is they would then cluster around this group, and they would all go out to eat. Everybody would pay for themselves, but it gave them a chance after service just to sit and talk. And in that time, people got to know each other. And I told Dennis in the first service, hey, Dennis, we're going to institute that here. You know, I'm going to be out there holding up the Carabas Grill, man. If you want to go to Carabas Grill, I'm with you. Let's go. You know, so, in fact, let me, let me just give you this. Let's practice. Let's practice. How many are going to go to a restaurant after you're done here? Oh, my goodness. Look at the hands go up. Don't go alone. Reach over to somebody and say, hey, we're going to such and such a place. You want to come with us? And immediately you start the discussion around a meal and you get to know people and you can encourage believers and you can help others think about some of these spiritual things and if you want to eat roast pastor I'm okay with that so long as it's to glorify Jesus I'm good with that <laughs> yeah, I need more salt all I can say is this when it comes to this thing of being salt and light it basically boils down to this thought it requires hospitality. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. If you're unwilling to open up your life, then you can't be salt and light in other people's lives. Hospitality says, welcome, come, I accept you, please join me. That's what hospitality is. So as we talk about being salt and light in the lives of the people that God is at work in in your sphere of influence, God wants to use you. Call them. Let's get together and eat and just see what happens. So after you eat together and you've had this great chance to get to know each other and, and to hear stories, and maybe they'll even ask you how God was at work in your life, and you can share your story. That's really cool when you get to that point. But once you eat with somebody, you begin to know them, and you get to know where they are spiritually. So that actually puts us on to the second thing here about being salt and light, and that is simply what I would call pray. Now that you know where people are at spiritually, just start praying for them. Ask God to be at work in their lives. He is. Ask God to reveal to you where he's at work in their lives. And how you can come in alongside that and be used to the Spirit of God to continue to be at work in their lives. Prayer is a key component of God working. I don't know if you know this or not, but none of us can save anyone. You can't save anyone. I can't save anyone. Only God saves people. And we need to be beseeching and asking and pleading with God to be at work in people's lives to transform them. You know, one of my favorite parts of the movie is when Alfie, the nurse, 
was uh, interacting with Leslie, and she ultimately told her how she should be praying for Lee so that he would come to Christ. Do you remember Alfie in the, in the movie at all? Uh, here's a little refresher for those of you who don't remember Alfie. Mm-hmm. Sweetie. Allie, what is it, baby? Are you choking? I think she's choking. Shall we come on, call? Allie, it's okay, sweetheart. I'm right here. Okay, stay calm. Look at that. Oh, please do Come on, call, Allie. Come on, baby. Need somebody help me, please. Call an ambulance. Baby, you have to breathe right now. Okay, this is everybody, you need to give, her, give her some space. Come on, baby, please. Look at daddy. Okay, breathe for me. You're going to be all right. I love you, sweetheart. Just hand it to me quick. Quick, I'm a nurse. Wait, 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 She's gonna be fine now. We're so lucky. Well, it's not luck, it's Jesus. <laughs> My husband and I went away to another restaurant tonight. Something told me I need to be here. You ever ask Jesus where you should eat? By the way, they were in a restaurant. I just want you to notice that too. So, Elfie introduces herself by just being used to the Spirit of God in a moment where she could apply her skills. Who knows how God's going to get us in people's lives? If we're just available, he might use us. But in the process, Elfie made a connection with Leslie, connected Leslie to a church in Chicago. At that time, uh, it was Bill Hybels' church, Willow Creek. It was meeting in a theater. There she heard Bill Hybels sharing who Jesus was in the womb. Her faith was developing until she believed and then received Jesus Christ with her life. And then Les, uh, Elfie taught Leslie to pray and ask God for her husband's heart to be transformed. And this is what she encouraged her with from the scriptures. And I, God, will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put with, which I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone, the unresponsive, the indifferent heart from your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh, which is responsive, which is, which is willing to uh, feel and hear the voice of God. What a great prayer. The people in your life, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a son or a daughter or a parent, maybe it's a friend or a coworker or somebody you go to school with, or start praying this. Oh God, and put their name in this, please be at work in their hearts. Because God is the only one who can do heart transplants. And we need to ask him to do that. Again, the scriptures are so abundantly clear. John chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. To Nicodemus, the lead teacher in Israel in those days, Jesus said this. Uh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not, do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. This is an operation of God in a heart. Nobody can come to God unless God is actively at work drawing them. 
there's one of my wonderful mainisms that everybody laughs about the word drawing or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he said this no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So eat. <laughs> I give you permission. Eat. But eat with somebody who needs Jesus. Pray for them. Pray specifically that God would take that hardened heart and that he would make it soft and responsive. And you know what I've discovered over the years? When God does a work, especially with a hard heart, sometimes in order to make it fleshy, he has to break it. Be close to people through that breaking process because it's very painful, but the end result is beautiful. And one of the things we then need to do is not only eat with people and pray for people, but we need to love people. And right now, there's some ladies in our midst who are saying, wait a minute, eat, pray, love. Eat, pray, love. Isn't that a Julia Roberts movie? I mean, isn't that like a best-selling book back in 2010? Yeah, it was, it was. But I'm not using the book. I'm just using this as a jogger for memory's sake. Eat, pray, and love. You know, love is really the key. It is really the key. Somebody has said this, talk is cheap. And living out in authentic faith takes more than simply words. It takes love. Authentic compassion in action. A thousand, thousand little ways. And it's when we sacrificially serve others that it tends to open up their hearts that would otherwise be closed to the gospel message. I want you to hear what the Bible says, not Bill Walker. Hear what the Bible says. Here we go. Therefore, as we have opportunity, and I would say there are 14 to 20 opportunities just to eat with people a week. Let us do what? I'm sorry, let us do what? To who? How many people? Yes, let us do good to all, especially those of the household of faith. But let us do good. That's a huge theme in the scriptures. The people of God are called to do good in the lives of all people, but especially those, I believe, who stand in need of relationship with Christ. So again, the scriptures say this, always seek to do to and to everyone. You see, this is the theme of Scripture. In fact, next week, we're going to start again in our series on Titus. It is an expository series. We're walking through the Scripture text verse by verse. But I want you to just hear what Titus says. Three little chapters. Three little chapters. But I want you to hear the emphasis throughout the book of Titus. Titus, it says this, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. Titus, you're the leader. As the leader, you need to show them good works in your behavior because you're modeling it for them because that's what they are to do. Again, it says this, uh, concerning Jesus, he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous of good works. This is little Titus. Already twice the word good works has kind of hit home. Here we go. Remind them. I'm going to preach a whole message on this one verse. Re two verses. Remind them. Chapter 3, verse 1. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. To be obedient. And to be ready for every good work. To speak evil of no one. 
to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Yes, we're going to camp on that verse or two right there when we get there. Good works, good works, good works. We're not done. Titus, this is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. We're not done yet. This is a little three-chapter book. He ends this way. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help in cases of urgent need and not to be unfruitful. Good works, good works, good deeds, good deeds, good works, good works. Why? Hear this. The good news begins with good. And a lot of people will not be ready to hear the good news of Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection on their behalf until they are enticed to know that he is good. And we have that privilege to show people through good works. In fact, again, going back to Jesus' original words as we began this talk, Right here, let your light shine before others so that they may see what? And that they will give to your, who is? Very good. You can read. Awesome. The word good here, and in the other text, doesn't mean the opposite of bad. The word good means virtuous. It has the idea of excellence, something that is admirable, something that is winsome, something that is beyond the norm. We're not just doing what everybody else does. We're willing to sacrifice for the needs of others. And that goes beyond the pale. And people are like, what is this? And they will give glory to your Father who is in heaven because of you. Because of you. Eat. Pray. Love. And then what I want to say is invite. Connect. Journey. Believe. Receive. Become. Get baptized. Right now, we're, we're fortunate to have a story, a testimony of someone who has done exactly that over the last year and a half here at Grace Church. They have belonged to believe, and they have become a child of God. Where's Rachel? Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. Come on up, Rachel. Can I have a, a microphone here, please? <laughs> Thank you. All right. Guys, we got the white one? Oh, white and blue right this way. Come right on up here. And I'll let you stand behind this because it'll give you a little bit more strength because this is between us and them. And they're all scary looking. Ooh, yes. Yes, they are. This is Rachel Ween, and she's going to share her story of how God has been at work in her life. All right. Um, so please bear with me. <laughs> um, hello. My name is Rachel Ween. <laughs> and like Pastor Bill just said, I've been coming to Grace Church for about a year and a half. So I was born into a family with a Christian mother and a Jewish father. Because my mother married a Jewish man, the relationship with her family was strained. To me, religion was the reason our family was.
was divided. Good, you're good. Growing up, our families practiced both religions, which was very confusing to me. I grew up going to church, but when I was old enough to stay at home, sleeping in sounded like a better option. I always knew that there was something greater than myself, but I was unsure. I always used to say, I believe in being a good person and doing good things because it's the right thing to do and not because I'm doing it for God. I won't say that I didn't believe in God, but I was unsure. As I got older, I got more curious. On the first day of graduate school, I met Christian Alfano. He quickly became my best friend there. I knew he was a Christian and would always have many questions about religion and which Christian would always do his best to answer. As Christian and I grew in our friendship, we started going to church together. As time went on, I wanted to learn more. Christian's parents bought me a Bible, but I had no idea where to start. I even tried reading the one-year Bible, but I just felt like I was reading words on a page. I wanted to learn more, but I was unsure what avenue to take. Christian and I were regularly going to church every Sunday and then began going to a Bible study before church. As I listened and I read the Bible and completed the studies, I felt different. I had the desire to learn more. I began reading on my own again, not really knowing where to start, but I was reading and I was going to church. Um, the Gospel Project began and I thought it would be perfect for me. On January 22nd, we were discussing the concept of God being all-knowing and how everything is predetermined. This is always something I battled with. If you're meant to be saved, then God already knows this. What if I was going through all the steps I thought I needed to, but I just wasn't meant to be saved? I thought because I wasn't baptized that I wasn't saved. At the end of each lesson, we always discuss the application in our lives. I wanted to share how I was feeling, but I didn't want to admit this to a room full of believers. <laughs> I decided not to share, and before I knew it, I was pouring out how I felt. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I was asked why I felt like I wasn't saved, in which I had no response. Janice Metz took me out in the hall and asked me if I believed in God. She asked me if I believed that Jesus is the Son of God, and that he died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. Then she asked me why I felt like I wasn't saved. I told her that I was scared that I was doing everything I could to have a relationship with God, but maybe he just didn't choose me to be saved. Janice explained to me that that feeling was the devil poking at me and trying to frustrate me. She asked me if I wanted to ask Jesus into my life and if we could pray together. As we sat on the ground in the hallway, she held my hands and had me repeat after her. I asked Jesus into my life and asked for guidance when the devil tries to confuse and frustrate me. It was a very emotional moment for me. I felt as if there was all this vast wealth of knowledge that I was suddenly let in on. I wanted to know more, and I wanted to know everything as soon as possible. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I can honestly say that I have drastically changed from now and a few years ago when I was still unsure. Everything from the way I think, the way I act, the way I react, all the way down to my physical appearance. I am and always have been a planner and have had the need, and I need the control, sorry, and need 
to control any situation I'm in. I used to believe with enough planning, you could get the outcome you desire. It's something I still struggle with, but I've learned to step back and allow God to show me what his plan is for me because ultimately it's way better than any plan that I could make for myself. Amen. Amen. You did it. You did it. Amen. Amen. You're shaking only a little bit. You did well. Amen. Okay. I'm going to encourage you to go over here. All right. Right down inside that door. There you go. Hey, guys, leave the screen here for just another few minutes. Uh, she's going to go back and prepare to be baptized in just a, a second. But in light of what we've been talking about, I want you to think about Rachel's story. Along comes Christian. He says, hey, you want to have lunch? Yeah. <laughs> or something like that, anyway. So he gets to know her. And then he realizes her need of Jesus. He starts praying for her, that God would be at work in her life. Uh, Frank Alfano, daddy over here, says she needs the Word of God in her life. So he gives her a Bible. She starts reading the Word. Not sure what it means, but... The people here at Grace started working her through some courses and understanding. Eventually, she connected into the Gospel Project, which Rico and Joan, wave Rico, wave Joan. They are doing the Gospel Project on Sunday nights. She goes to their class, and, and she's hearing again the truth. The Scriptures are having an effect on her heart and life. She gets to the point where she's deeply convicted, and she's embarrassed. And then all of a sudden, it just all comes out. And there's Janice Metz sitting right there. Where are you, Janice? Stand up. Oh, you are standing. Sorry, Janice. <laughs> I thought about having you baptize her, but I didn't want you to drown. So, <laughs> oh, come on. No, 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 no. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> it's the little Sicilian in her. <laughs> so, so Janice is there embraces her, listens to her, leads her into a relationship with Jesus Christ. She's now just on the front end of all of this. And so two ladies, my wife and Del Cummings, have been walking her through that man called Jesus study to solidify who Jesus Christ is in her life so that she can indeed believe, receive, and become. It's a beautiful story, isn't it? She's just about to be baptized as a new follower of Jesus Christ. And it was the body of Christ used by the Spirit of God that caused that to happen. See, this is where the church needs to be going in the days to come. To believe outside and then belong is the way it once worked when we were a Christian nation in name. But today, people need to belong. They need to journey with us before they can truly understand and believe. So Rachel is just a testimony of one. There'll be many more. We've got six people right now going through the, that man called Jesus study. There'll be many more who will step up here and have many similar testimonies to belonging to believe. That's why we're doing all of this, so that we can have stories like this, and the kingdom of God can grow, praise for the Father grows, and we now have a new sister in Jesus. So, I believe now is a good time to bring the screen up. Uh, we thought there might be some issues with the lights uh, in an effort to highlight that area. And so, I told them, no problem. I got it covered. <laughs> so.
so we're going to begin with this testimony. That's fine, guys. I got this. Uh, we're going to begin. Oh, you did it. Okay, give the guys up there a round of applause. I still want to do this. testimony about Bradley. He's one of our youth who's very active and um, who is, has a great and bright personality. Uh, this is not his first time in the water. Today uh, he comes with understanding yes. of uh, why he should be baptized. So um, Bradley, all right. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose on the third day? Yes. Based on your profession of faith, I baptize your name the Father, your name the Son, and my name the Holy Spirit. Are we going to pray? Yeah. Go ahead and pray for me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much um, for this young man and for uh, you working in his heart that he would surrender fully to you with understanding. We pray, Lord, as you continue in this journey, in this walk, that you would surround him with godly men Amen. and people who will continue to encourage him Amen. and to follow him and trust in you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. Amen. Well, you just heard Rachel's testimony, and now you get to witness, witness her next leg of her journey of faith in Believer's Water Baptism. But before I do that, uh, I just want to acknowledge she has some fr uh, friends and family here, third row. Just raise your hands. Yeah, yeah. amen. Thank you. Welcome. Rachel, are you ready? <laughs> Close. Trust me. I haven't lost anyone yet. <laughs> Rachel, based on your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Allow me to pray for her. Oh, Father, we thank you for this incredible journey of faith. Amen. And we thank you for the journey she'll continue to take. I thank you for the people uh, who've touched her. I thank you, Lord, for just her walk. And, Father, we're so excited. May you use this woman. May her witness today encourage folks. We thank you, Lord. We just praise you for her. And, Lord, we commit her to you now. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 How many are hungry? Oh, that's beautiful. Friends, this could be the story of your loved one. This could be the story of your friend. This could be the story of your neighbor. Eat, pray, love, be salt and light, invite, connect, help them journey from belief to, belie uh, to ultimately become a uh, child of God in Christ. Let me pray for us, and then we will be done this morning. Uh, the baptismal candidates will make their way out in just a few moments. If you'd like to congratulate them, I want to encourage you to do so. Uh, so hang around. Father, uh, what a great morning. 
great worship. I thank you so much for the emphasis on the love of God. Father, thank you for your word and just the reality we get to play a part in people's lives on this journey to meet Jesus. And Father, now this uh, conclusion with this testimony from Rachel. Uh, Father, how beautiful you are. I pray for each one of us here today, wherever we may be on our spiritual journey, that you would love us to that next step, Father. That you would love us to that next step. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. God bless.